0: Here's a question for you, you okay ready? go ahead What is your comfort viewing? in other words, when, when you just want to veg out when you're really tired, when you like you't you, you're not interested in like seeing new things, unless that is what but what is your comfort viewing? What, what do you veg out to when you 're really tired, when you just want something to to relax you
1: I, I generally turn to YouTube and I watch uh. I love watching restoration videos where somebody finds some old antique bread cutter or something like that and restores it, or uh, the the cooking shows on YouTube. I've got a couple of particular favorites that uh, I I even sit and watch with my daughter.
0: That is is very 21st century of you. (laughs) This is very, very of (laughs) of the young people. I I feel so old now because my answer, because here's what I was thinking about right mm-hmm. i was I was recognizing that in this last week, I had, a, I had a bit of a rough week, and so i so most of the evenings this past week, I was I just wanted comfort viewing. I just wanted something to turn my brain off to, right? Mm-hmm. And I recognized the fact that uh, I don't watch. Sci-fi fantasy, superhero stuff, <laughs> when I'm when I'm looking for comfort viewing. My comfort viewing is either a rewatch of a sitcom, okay? Okay. like Big Bang Theory, which mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. fairness is fandom adjacent. But uh or also uh the West Wing. I I've rewatched the West Wing several times over the course of years, and while there are many who might call that sci-fi, uh, <laughs> um, uh, I, I realized that it's not the things that we are talking about. And, and I was thinking about, why is that? And, and I was just uh, pondering the fact that, for me, comfort viewing is when I want to turn my brain off and just sort of rest and consume something. So my other comfort viewing is rewatching action movies. Right, like, yeah, like, like, put on a good Fast and the Furious or like, (laughs) or like a Die Hard or something, right? And and then I can just sort of veg out to that. But I rarely do it with the sci-fi fantasy stuff that that we're talking about in this podcast, because generally Mm. those things are things I like to think about that I get uh, that my that gets my brain started on things as opposed to winding down on things. And I was just wondering. Uh, if that was similar for you And it sounds like it is Because you didn't also You also did not mention Any of our sci-fi fantasy no. stuff You mentioned cooking shows And and restoration kind of stuff
1: The funny thing is That even though they, they sound two totally disparate Topics They both actually come from the same place For me though As Sitting down and watching with my father We would watch Uh pbs it would be uh we would watch the the cooking shows on. julia child's (laughs) julia child's yes but uh then we would also watch uh this old house or new new yankee workshop and i i guess it really is is that familiarity of like comfort food as well so we would watch the cooking shows with uh you know the who was the the uh, Yan Can Cook? Oh yes, and, and the the Cajun chef, um, or or the Frugal Gourmet. Which, if you know anything about Frugal Gourmet, he was anything but frugal.
2: <laughs>
1: but I that carries over into a very modern thing with YouTube and and to some extent TikTok and things like that. Seeing people do things with their hands that would enrich your life in some way. But it all is born from that time I spent with my dad when I was when I was little.
0: Oh, very. That's very cool. That's (laughs) very cool.
1: So it it, it is definitely a comfort thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. So neither of us uh, watch what we're talking about in this podcast as comfort viewing. Um, And that's probably why we like to talk about it so much, because. It's not what we veg out to, but it's what gets us thinking. You the theme music Jerry. I'm Jeremy. And welcome to this episode of Two Guys and a Franchise. You may notice that the titles to our episodes are rather ridiculously long. And the reason for that, I will explain in a moment. This episode is titled Episode 3, Star Wars, The Original Trilogy, Origin Stories, and Episode 4. So let me break that down so you understand why <laughs> you have these ridiculously long episode titles. What we've decided to do with Two Guys in a Franchise, now that we're kind of into our official shows, is for each uh, franchise or slice of a mega franchise, as I'm thinking of things like Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, those sort of things, uh, we will list the franchise we're talking about, Star Wars, the original trilogy today, then we're going to talk about what type of episode we have and what we've come up with Jeremy and I is that we're going to have uh two different kinds of episodes for each franchise uh rotated through three different episode types and if that was overly complicated uh deal with it we're nerds we complicate everything so um <laughs> so we're going to have today we're going to begin with what we're calling the origin story Type episode. So what I mean by that is we will share, Jeremy and I will share our origin stories of, of our relationship with the franchise in question. So many of these franchises, because these are things that we love, we have relationships with them. We have uh, the, the beginnings. We have a story to tell about why we are connected to these franchises. We're going to call that origin stories. But then we have other ideas too. We might re, we're going to come back and revisit Star Wars: The Original Trilogy, and we're going to do another kind of episode where it'll be either a best or worst episode, where we talk about where we we talk about what is the best uh, part of that franchise or what is the worst part of that franchise, um, and finally. Uh, then we're going to also have a kind of episode called the quintessential episode. So we'll do a, we might do a Star Trek: The Next Generation, the quintessential episode, in which we will each bring to the table uh, what we think is the quintessential example of that particular franchise, so that we can discuss and argue uh, why the other is absolutely wrong about their choice as to what is the quintessential piece of a franchise. So we're going to have origin story episodes, we're going to have best or worst episodes, and we're going to have the quintessential uh, episodes about a particular franchise. But of course, every, every episode will feature discussion, specific discussion of the results of the Wheel of Random Episode Selection. And so of course, what we're going to do is Uh, spin the wheel at the end of every episode to tell you at the beginning of the next episode what we will be discussing specifically. And if you listened to episode two, our test run episode, Star Trek versus Star Wars, you know that today we are going to be talking about Star Wars, uh, retitled episode four, Star Wars, A New Hope. Um, And that is why the title of this episode of Two Guys in a Franchise is Star Wars, the original trilogy, the name of the franchise, Origin Stories, the type of episode, and episode four, the Random Wheel Selection selection.
1: And if, uh, if that seemed complex to you, it took me just as long to try and figure out exactly what we were
2: talking about, too.
1: So don't feel left
0: out. Uh. <laughs> My origin story with Star Wars because uh, I am playing the host role today. As you might recall from our last episode, one of us will play host, the other will be co host with uh, slightly differing responsibilities therein. And so, as host, I get to go first and tell you about my origin story with Star Wars and the original trilogy. And with that origin story comes a disclaimer that you may hear a couple of times uh, throughout the run of this podcast, and that is I have a very, very, very poor long-term memory. I can't remember <laughs> Jack from my childhood. I, you know, everybody tells stories about, like, oh, when I was five, I did this, or when I was eight, I remember that happening between me and my siblings. I have none of those stories. I have a terrible long term memory. Um, And so when I started thinking about my relationship to Star Wars, I realized it goes way back into my childhood. Because despite the fact that we got the date wrong in our test episode about when Star Wars first came out, uh, I think we said 1972 in our test run, and it is not. Yeah. It actually, the first Star Wars movie actually came out in 1977, which uh, is actually a few years after I was born, um, thereby dating myself quite effectively. Uh, I I don't recall watching the original trilogy in the theater. I'd be shocked if I didn't if I hadn't seen at least Empire and Jedi in the theater. But I have no recollection of it. What I do have recollection of is I very much have recollection of the toys. Mm-hmm. Of Star Wars yeah. toys. I remember collecting the action figures. I remember <laughs> having two or three different Lukes with the different outfits I remember having uh I remember having um the huge Darth Vader head case for the action oh, I figures I remember
1: that yes Yeah. I do where, remember that
0: yeah where where it was a, a huge flat Darth Vader head case that, that opened up and when you opened it up on both sides of the case then were little slots where you could put the action figures in and i remember obsessively deciding who was going to go where in the case and making sure they were exactly the way i wanted them after excessively playing you know having them out on a desk and playing uh with the with the star wars figures and 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 doing that sort of thing and i and and ever since i've been an adult and ever since star wars became so much more than just those first three movies i have i have you know, uh, felt great regret and nostalgia that I did not keep any of those toys. You,
1: you know, Jared, that you you telling me you're obsessively playing with you know deciding position. It reminds me of that scene from Spaceballs where Dark Helmet is playing with his dolls <laughs> on the desk. <laughs> Sir, are you playing with your dolls? No, I am not.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're not dolls, they're action figures My apologies <laughs> But yeah, I, I do I do remember the toys I remember uh, you know, zooming the, the ships around having an X-wing and, and flying it around my room and, uh, and that's really the extent of my memory of my origin with the franchise until we get to the prequels Because when the prequel trilogy started with episode one um, and I neglected to look up what year that was. So I'm not going to speculate on when that was. But I know I was enough of a young adult without a whole lot of responsibilities yet, financial responsibilities, that I could engage in the crazy fan behavior of buying tickets months ahead of time and have and getting to watch it multiple times that this the opening weekend when it came out I was at one of those 1201 midnight showings on a on Thursday night to be a Friday show um and then went to and then went again at like three in the morning because they were the, it, this was such a phenomenon in the in the theaters that they were playing it like, Every episode every hour on the hour, it like took over the entire Cineplex. And uh and so there was like the 1 a.m. show, the two AM show, the three AM show, the four a.m. show on that weekend. And I remember going to like the 1201 midnight and then doing it again, like almost back to back at like three in the morning, and then taking a nap, and then going again on like Saturday afternoon. I saw it three times that opening weekend it was episode one, the Phantom Menace of chlorians and Jar Jar Binks. And, and <laughs> we don't need to discuss that right now. But he who must not be named. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Jar Jar will be our Voldemort, you know, he who must not be named. Uh, we, so I remember, you know, just how excited I was about the, the, the prequels and how complicated the feelings were as they came out. And, and that was my sort of, uh, that's sort of my touchstone for just how much this franchise, you know, has been a part of my life and and how emotionally connected I am to it. Enjoying and loving Star Wars um, was was always was kind of always a part of my life because mm-hmm. the thing, yeah. the original yeah. one came out when I was three years old. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, so the, the franchise itself is just a little bit older than I am and so star wars has always been a part of my life which is which is a really interesting thing to to think about i i
1: kind of i can kind of sympathize with the whole i don't remember a whole lot of my childhood thing but there are a few things in my mind that i remember with uh, what i feel is clarity and one of them was actually going and seeing Return of the Jedi. Now, I I couldn't have been much more than four or five years old. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. But what I remember about it is going with my dad's family as well in an old, like, 1970 Volkswagen microbus. And... Uh then hearing my mother complain about the fact that thing is a death trap. But and I, I don't remember actually seeing the film, but I know that I saw it. And it wasn't until I was much older that I actually watched it as someone who could remember those kinds of things. But the emotional attachment to it was there. And that's what started it. Now, one would question nowadays the wisdom of taking a such a young child to go see. Something like that, especially when they didn't understand and it wasn't a, a children's movie, but the fact that it it was something that we did as a family with extended family. My aunt and, and some cousins, we all went and saw it in the theaters. Like I said, I don't remember it at all, but that I think was one of the starts of my my love of of, of sci-fi. And, in in certain ways, and I, I do remember also the when they came out with episode one and it was this whole big thing and uh, of course when it came out I was watching all of this 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 content that was coming out on on cable uh you know the 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 learning channel and stuff like that they would have these shows revolving around the new technology that went into it the CGI and then. Them showing something in the CGI and you're like, wow, that that does not look good. And then when it goes (laughs) on the big screen, you're you're blown away by it because these these shows, these sneak previews and things like that set the bar really low. So I wasn't really expecting a whole lot visually. But then when it was up on the screen, it looked fabulous. And, And that it it kind of reignited a little bit. But as they went on. The magic was lost because I was doing so many other things in my life. And, and I just didn't really have time to go to movies or pay attention to these things that I really loved. Um, you know, life gets in the way. But as I've gotten older, I've been more interested in in introducing my kids to that now. So they see the world that I grew up in and, and they can feel the wonder uh, that I did even though it may not have the same magic for them because everything is in 90 second bites on TikTok it's still there's still a magic to the Star Wars franchise that i don't think that could ever be topped by whatever the latest craze is so that's that's where i came from with Star Wars
0: yeah it's interesting how you said you you also can't remember actually seeing it but your your memory of it your recollection of it mm-hmm. is connected to family is connected mm. to the experience of being connected to family and and in some ways i think my connection my memory of my childhood relationship to star wars through the toys is mm. similarly connected because i when i think about those toys i think about like the christmas that I Mm -hmm. got that Darth Vader head, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think about my father, uh, you know, sitting nearby while I played with the toys and like his smiling at me or his approval of this as a thing to play with because it wasn't, uh, you know, because he was very much into technology himself and, and moving forward. And so like liked the idea that I was playing with spaceships and robots and things because he was, he himself was an engineer, and so that, that family connectedness, and absolutely the multigenerational aspect of it, too, because, like, for instance, my son's connection to Star Wars, um, I think his began with uh, the animated shows on television where we watched Star Wars The Clone Wars first. He and I watched almost all of The Clone Wars and then and now especially as the live action tv shows have come on uh streaming with uh, you know launched with the mandalorian he and i have watched all of those together and we we make it a point not to watch a new episode except together uh with all the shows so even though ahsoka has been out for a while uh we haven't watched any of it because we haven't sat down to watch it together um so so there's definitely that family connection to it uh, that, is, that is powerful and lovely. Next up, our Wheel of Random, Wheel of Random episode, episode selection, of selection. selection for this episode. So by way of reminder, every episode we invite you to watch or experience a particular piece of a larger franchise and today, we are going to be discussing Star Wars the movie, because originally, that's what it was called, before being retitled Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Now, for this segment of the random selection episode, we are going to first provide some info, info facts, facts, then a synopsis, and then our discussion. So let's begin with info, info facts. facts. Released May 1st, 1977.
1: You know, I think they missed an opportunity with that, Jer. If they had just moved it a few days later, it would have been May the 4th, 1977.
0: Yes! They were so close! May 1st, 1977. Uh, They could have they could have released Star Wars on Star Wars Day. Oh well, Uh Uh, released May first, nineteen seventy (laughs) seven. Written and directed, of course, by George Lucas, starring Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, Harrison Ford as Han Solo, Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia Organa, Peter Cushing as Grand Moff Tarkin, Alec Guinness as Obi Wan Kenobi, Anthony Daniels as C three PO, Kenny Baker as R two D two, Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca, and David Prowse as Darth Vader. With James Earl Jones as his voice, which I interestingly found out was uncredited until 1983. Really? Yeah. What happened was David Prowse, who who was the body of Darth Vader, apparently had a like country British accent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so uh, George Lucas decided he needed a different voice. Originally wanted Orson Welles to be the voice of Mm. Darth Vader, but decided that Wells' voice would be too familiar and so went with the, quote, relatively unknown James Earl Jones at the time. The movie was produced by Lucasfilm, distributed by 20th Century Fox, and had a box office that was... Bananas, let's oh just put goodness. it that way.
1: Wasn't it though?
0: It was the highest grossing film of all time until ET the Extraterrestrial knocked it off in 1983. And box office mojo.com has its current total worldwide global box office at $775,398,007. Those so $7 are very important. For very, box yeah. office mojo.com and those are our Info, info facts, facts for Star Wars, Episode 4, A New Hope. So, turning to our synopsis. I don't know that I really need to give a synopsis of Star Wars. How many of you have really never seen Star Wars? But, just in case you didn't re-watch it before this episode, and it's been a while since you've seen it, I will provide the following synopsis. We begin, of course, with the iconic opening crawl opening scroll of text in that yellow tilted text that describes the situation uh, beginning in a galaxy far, far away a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And then from the opening scroll, then we get that uh, equally iconic, like every damn scene of this movie is iconic. <laughs> Everything in this movie is iconic. I got to stop using the term. We get that star destroyer uh, coming up, in over the top of the camera as it chases after uh, Princess Leia's ship. It captures Princess Leia's ship. And we see Princess Leia herself um, leaning over, talking to R2-D2. The two droids are jettisoned from an escape pod of the ship just before they are uh, captured um, down to a planet where we discover that um, the plans for the Empire's new Death Star uh, Starbase have, uh, have been stolen, and it is known that Princess Leia had those plans. She, she puts them in the droid R2-D2, uh, who gets uh, shot down to the planet with his companion C-3PO. The two droids, after some adventures with Jawas, are bought by Luke Skywalker's uncle. And so Luke, in uh, Messing Around with R2-D2, stumbles upon the message for Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, Princess Leia's last hope. Uh, Kenobi then introduces... Uh, Luke then goes out, uh, finds uh, Ben, old Ben Kenobi, who turns out to be the former general... Jedi Knight Obi-wan Kenobi, and Kenobi introduces Luke to the force and to the Jedi, and that he knew his father, uh, a Jedi Knight who he says was killed by uh betrayed and killed by uh, Dark Lord Darth Vader. The Empire tracks the droids, kills Luke's family, and so, having nothing left to be connected to, Luke agrees to go with Kenobi to. Mos Eisley, that pit of scum and villainy, where they hire (laughs) Han Solo and Chewbacca with their ship the Millennium Falcon to fly them to Alderaan, where they believe they can find either Princess Leia or the Rebellion that need the plans to the Death Star. Uh, However, in the meantime, Princess Leia resists all the mind bending technology to give up the, the location of the Rebel base, and so in an attempt to coerce her, the Death Star destroys her own planet of Alderaan. The Millennium Falcon arrives at the remains of Alderaan to uh, find the planet gone, to be tractor-beamed into the Death Star, and after several adventures within the Death Star and Kenobi's apparent death, they escape to the Rebel Base where they use the plans of the Death Star, find the weakness of the... uh, What is it? Exhaust shaft. Send the X-Wings to attack. Han returns to clear the way for Luke, who uses the force, destroys the Death Star, and Han and Luke get medals. But only the humans get the medals. I noticed in this rewatch that, uh (laughs) Um that Chewbacca didn't get anything, the droids didn't get anything. No medals for the (laughs) nonhumans. Very speciesist the end of Star Wars, the movie.
1: you did a, a real good job of that, but you forgot the most important point of the film. And the most important point is that Han shot
0: first.
2: Han shot first, yes.
0: <laughs> yes. yes. So long, Greedo. Um, so, uh, so the next, so after the synopsis, we go into what I liked, uh, what, I, what we're going to call the rewatch reaction. So what was, what is your reaction upon revisiting Star Wars, the original movie so
2: i i
1: it's held up really, really well <laughs> <laughs> except for the hair and the outfits but as far as as far as like rewatching it i I love the fact that it's it's a story that is even relatable today uh because it was it was brought from so many. Uh, Things in the past, the uh, the the spaghetti Western feel of it, the 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 little guy versus the big guy and, and, you know, David and Goliath story. It's these are all stories that are as old as time, but they told it in such a novel way that it even many, many years later, it still feels very, very fresh.
0: Well the it, thing that yeah, the as I was re-watching it, the thing that I kept thinking about was, holy cow, this is such a tightly plotted story. There they put so much in one movie, in two solid hours. There is there is there is no wasted dialogue. There is no there is no taking time out for uh lengthy character development. There is just go, go, go. It is like event, 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 event. And as I was thinking about it, It's it's I think what you when you said it feels it still feels fresh and modern. What I thought about was you know it really has a modern pace to it in terms of you often you see older movies or older TV shows. um, Like like this is something I'm gonna return to in our next episode of Two Guys in a Franchise when we talk about an older episode of uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. But pacing. In, in TV shows and movies these mm. days Is so much faster and frenetic Than it was in the day And yet this movie has so much in it And I think, I think it has to do with, with two things Number one, George Lucas had these big ideas And he didn't know if he'd get to make more than one of these things He was yeah. like, I'm taking yeah. my one shot and there was no, you know, we mentioned that it was originally just called Star Wars and it had to be retitled episode four because he didn't know if he was going to get to do it again. And so this was his one shot. And so everything is in there. So all the things that we think of as Star Wars is all right there. Yeah. I, was, <laughs> I was like, as earlier I said, like, like there's there's I can't, I couldn't think of any scene or any dialogue that isn't eminently quotable that isn't known, that isn't like a famous thing right. that oh, yeah, somebody yeah. said, you know? And and it just moves so fast and does so many things within that two hours that I was really impressed and enjoyed that and felt the same way that it totally holds up, it totally, uh, you know, And and also the other thing you said was about how epic or mythic Mm, the stories yes, are, yeah. you know, you mentioned David and Goliath, you mentioned, um, uh, something else, I don't remember, <laughs> but 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 what you reminded me about was the idea that George Lucas himself was very steeped in mythology, in 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 his storytelling, he very explicitly had in mind mm. that he wanted to tell a story that was mythic that was epic that was archetypal that's the word i was looking for that was that like that like played upon he wanted to create his own version of all of the epic myths and storytelling it was who's the do you know there's a there's a classic book that talks about the hero's journey and the author oh, i'm trying to think of the author uh joseph i think it's joseph is the first name Joseph mm-hmm. somebody's. Book about the mythic quest The hero the journey of the Hero I'm gonna have to look up the Specifics of it because yeah. it's on the tip of my Brain and it's driving me crazy but Luke Skywalker was designed To be that classic hero's Journey of the young person mm-hmm. who's Naive and doesn't mm-hmm. know anything and in the beginning Of the movie is like uh, you know it's it's Made fun of how whiny he is You know about Uncle Owen Yeah, yeah, yeah. but then But then get <laughs> then gets Swept up into this uh, you know, into this literally galactic adventure, yeah. In which he, this kid whose previous uh, piloting experience was shooting Womp rats in the canyon, uh, you know, has to fly an X wing uh, against a Death Star. You know, it's it's <laughs> it was designed that way, and and it's just and it's just so fun, and it's just so fun to watch.
1: Yeah. So, can we for a moment though uh, appreciate the fact that. only entertainment that luke skywalker had was was killing innocent animals with this (laughs) i'm I'm totally kidding but like like jerry said that it, it it was even when george lucas was presenting this to the executives he went to them and he described it as a space opera and it was supposed to be this this masterpiece where this story was told of of someone who came from nothing and was, through tragedy, forced to grow up very, very, very quickly and realize that the responsibility that he had on his own to just take droids to go get cleaned uh, and the minimal stuff that he had to do in his moisture farm was nothing compared to the world around him that needed that person to step up or be pushed into that role. And he took that mantle very, very well uh, in realizing that he had this duty not just to just to himself, but to the world around him. And here are the tools that you have that that Obi-Wan was handing him. These are the tools, these are these are those things that that moment when Obi-Wan hands him his father's lightsaber. Now at that time I don't think Luke really understood other than wow this is really cool I can go <laughs> vroom, 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 vroom. and it's not really until you get later on in in the uh the series that you would un- he would come to understand just how the legacy important the legacy yeah of of everything that happened to him. And I think it, it happened so quickly that he didn't even have a chance to process everything that was going on, other than, hey, look, pretty girl. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I get to play with a lightsaber. Oh my God, this is real life now. This is life and death that I have to confront these things now.
0: Well, and I think and then, for me, it also it also goes toward how smart it was that his main characters were uh, were without having to do a lot of work were so well defined uh, as yeah. as themselves kind of archetypes, you know, mm-hmm. Luke, uh, the 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 naive young hero who must be who must you know who must confront this 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 challenge that he's not quite ready for, Obi Wan Kenobi the the mentor the the wise elder figure who would ultimately sacrifice himself uh the villain who uh is you know just iconic in being unique in in uh, in being masked and yeah. the fact that there's a mask involved and 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 that that breathing and the voice and then the uh the rogue the the imp the 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 immoral you know the immoral character in han solo who who you know the anti hero kind of person yeah. who you yeah. don't know you know when we first saw the movie when he's like i'm out of here i got my payment i'm going to go we had no idea he'd be back, you know, and, and the when he comes back and it's like, you're clear, kid. Everybody was like, yeah, he came back. We knew he was a good guy, you know, and then and the dynamic between him and Princess Leia, you know, the whole like your worshipfulness, you know, and, and her her like, well, I guess he's brave. Yeah, but he's going to get himself killed. And and then uh, and then Princess Leia herself being sort of the. Uh, um you know at a time when women characters weren't necessarily you know star wars has gotten a lot of crap for not having many women in it uh which to some extent obviously fair uh but princess leia from the jump is not the damsel in distress princess she's the princess who's like uh nice rescue guys grabs the blaster starts shooting stormtroopers <laughs> and I was watching the, the 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 blaster ratio of shots to actually landing shots. Like that that accuracy percentage is very low on both sides of the equation, good guys and bad guys. But I think the one who probably landed the most shots. Was Princess Leia? I think she was the best shot in the whole movie. And then she shoots out the grate and they jump down into the trash compactor. She rescues herself in in that regard and and holds her own totally with uh, with both Han and with Luke in terms of uh, in terms of being a strong person and personality.
1: They they did a really really good job, I think, with Carrie Fisher in that role. Because she, she, even though she was very young when she took that role, uh, most of those actors were really young, except for maybe Alec Baldwin. But uh, <laughs> he, he was, that, that, uh, it wasn't Alec Baldwin, was it? Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness, that's <laughs> it. Yes, Alec Baldwin, everybody. He would have been the absolute best Obi-Wan.
0: <laughs> so he, was, he was 10 at the time, but okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: This is what happens when you let your mouth get ahead of your brain. (laughs) But regardless, having Carrie Fisher in that role was, I think, a masterstroke. I don't think there was another actress out there that would have been able to take that and portray that not only a strong female lead, but one that never even... Uh, uh, entertain the idea of being a damsel in distress. Even when she was locked away in, in her cell, she wasn't sitting there. Oh woe is me! Is someone gonna come rescue poor me? No, no. And which is why she was she was so shocked when they came in the door. And, Aren't you a little short to be a stormtrooper? <laughs> that, that that sass, throwing it out right away, without even regards for her own life with that. Because I'm sure if some Stormtrooper was having a bad day and, and somebody said that to her,
0: may have gotten a little bit more than they had bargained for. Well, I think, and, and what I love, too, about the Star Wars franchise, which is really interesting, you know, you look at, so our last episode, we talked about Star Wars versus Star Trek, and they're, they're, they're kind of the two 800-pound gorillas of science fiction franchises out there um uh, other than you know at least american ones you know i know doctor who is just as old and and sprawling but um but star wars versus star trek you look at the way they have developed over the 50 years that they've been Mm -hmm. around star trek keeps pushing into the future like like its franchise it's only just recently with this with the with uh some of the Paramount Plus shows, like Strange New Worlds, um, and and really only Strange New Worlds and the and like the reboot films, those Kelvin Universe films, um, it's only been with those that it's gone back in its own timeline or history. But every other way in which Star Trek has grown has grown has pushed into the future of. The timeline of the fantasy, right? So, yeah. So yeah. the 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 original series happened in what was it the twenty second century, I think it was, or maybe the twenty third century, and then the next generation was the twenty fourth century. I may be getting these wrong. Please, I'm sure you'll let me know. But, um, but my point is that chronologically, in the future, the the Star Trek shows go further and further in the future, even to the point of um, spoiler alert if you haven't seen anything of Discovery and don't want to know anything about it, fast forward 30 seconds from right now. Okay. Star Trek Discovery began as a prequel to the original series, and then in season three, jumps to the 31st century. So it's even way further ahead of the rest of Star Trek. So now everything that's in Star Trek goes forward in the future. But Star Wars, it's kinda like kind of like folds in upon itself over and over again such that it, it it doesn't it doesn't expand the timeline so much as it just deepens it with filling in all the gaps of the things that have been told about it. You know, the the So yeah. we have the Skywalker saga from episode one, The Phantom Menace, through episode nine, the uh what's episode nice nine Jedi. called? The Last Jedi. Um no, it was not. No, not Last Jedi. No, That's Last episode Jedi eight. Was episode eight. Yeah. Episode nine is uh, the Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker. The Rise yes. of Skywalker. Within that time frame, right? That that is episode one to episode nine. With everything else in the Star Trek franchise exists within that time frame. So Rogue mm-hmm. One fills in between episode three and episode four. Uh, Star Wars Rebels, the TV show, and the Star Wars: The Clone Wars fills in between like episodes. Two, uh, two, and three, and then and then Star Wars Rebels and the Mandalorian and Ahsoka that fills in between five, uh, between um six and seven in, in a real way. And so it's really interesting to me, anyway, that uh Star Wars does all of this deepening. And the reason that I got off on this long-winded tangent is because when you were talking about, you know, the kind of character Princess Leia is in the very first movie back in 1977 that now now we have the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show featuring child Leia having a relationship with with Obi-Wan Kenobi and already as a child princess from Alderaan having you know these wild and crazy experiences of being kidnapped and being rescued and all of that so that her lack of like freak out at being kidnapped as a young adult, by Darth Vader in the first movie, becomes even more explainable or understandable through the TV show in which she was kidnapped as a little kid.
1: It's just old hat to her, you know. It's like, oh, oh no, not this again.
0: Yeah, yeah the, very much so. Because, like, for instance, she appears in the Rebels in Star Wars Rebels. She appears in the animated show, um, and in that show, the the rebels. Um, you know, like the the Jedi Knight uh, Kanan and his his apprentice Ezra, they wear uh, they wear stormtrooper outfits to to infiltrate and to, to fake out, and so uh, so it all it all sort of works together to uh, uh, to deepen and uh, explain and to make richer um, characters that were already well drawn. In that original movie, as as you said. Yeah, yeah. So our final piece of uh the of our wheel selection after rewatch reaction is how's it hold up? Each time we're <laughs> gonna talk about when we talk about these examples to franchises, so many of which are you know decades old, we're gonna ask, how's it hold up? So Star Wars episode four, a new hope, nineteen seventy seven, Jeremy. How does it hold up? What do you think? Does it age well? A classic can never die. (laughs)
1: Really, that it holds up incredibly well in the face of so many different things, distractions in in our media world. There is something timeless about Star Wars that I, I don't think that they could do with the franchise today if it started out. Part of that is the mythology and the lore and and the the circumstances in which it came about in
2: 1977 part of it is that it is that story that is easy to tell but difficult to uh,
1: perfect and i think they they did an excellent job in perfecting it and in researching everything that went on behind the scenes in Star Wars and everything gave me a new appreciation for it. That that there was so much that went into it now that just made me feel like, you know what, this has held up even better than I thought. It's like seeing the technology from the 40s and what they did with some relays and some vacuum tubes. And Wow. They did such amazing things with that, with something so primitive. And let's be real, the the, the theatrical uh, development and things like that at the time was fairly primitive. And they took that
0: and it, it still looks good now. And I think that goes toward the special effects. Yes. Approach that they took, which is, uh, you know. George Lucas had this vision and so we created a whole new company and brought together this whole band of uh innovators who were not bound by this is the way it has been done but rather let's figure out a way to do this new and different and better and so they were literally creating technology as they went So you know
1: why uh real quick why he he wound up having to create uh, Industrial Light and Magic mm-hmm. is because Fox was actually shutting down their special effects department. And so George Lucas was left, well, oh my gosh, what am I going to do for special effects because he had this grand vision of it and no way of putting it into place because the the studio's longtime special effects department was shutting down. And so he, he literally poached a lot of those minds and brought them into industrial light and magic. And then... (laughs) <laughs> the, the production schedule that they had was already behind, so they wound up doing a year's worth of special effects work and model building and screenshots and all this other stuff in six months from a brand new company. And that,
0: in my opinion, is impressive. And engineered and created yes. machinery that didn't exist. The Steadicam, the, yeah, the Steadicam, the 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 uh, the the cameras that could be motion controlled according to timing so that they could so that they could they could move a model over a, a camera uh, and the camera would move at certain angles at certain time. They created all of that from scratch mm. and began a tradition that continues to this day, insofar yeah. as, you know, now ILM, Industrial Light and Magic, the, the company they began, is continuing to innovate and push technology forward, you know, with its with its current work it created uh you know i'm sure when we talk about the live action tv shows for star wars now we'll talk about like the volume which is the name of its late, of ilm's latest innovation where where actors can can step into not a green screen but actual like uh, a an actual environment and how that made the star wars tv shows possible to do because it cut down post production time so much so uh, absolutely. So, so saying, right from '77?
1: Uh, so are you saying that Industrial Light and Magic will probably create the first holodeck? I, I would not be surprised.
0: <laughs> I think that is a, I think that is a good bet. I think maybe we need to buy some stock right now. <laughs> and, you heard uh, it
1: here first, folks. That's right. Industrial Light <laughs> and Magic creates the first holodeck.
0: We are not tax, uh, we are not tax advisors or professionals. Do not take our advice. Anyhow. <laughs> All right, and now a favorite segment of mine, anyway, is the uh, host surprise fun segment in which I, as host, get to surprise Jeremy this episode with a uh, a fun segment related to uh, the franchise of the moment. And so today I have prepared for you, my friend Jeremy, I have prepared for you a... Name that sound effect game. (laughs) I have brought with me a certain number of Star Wars sound effects, and you must then tell us what this is a sound effect of. All right, Jeremy, name that sound effect.
1: That sounds like the turret guns on one of the battle cruisers. Nope, Death Star. Nope, nope.
0: You're correct that it is a gun, but you got the wrong ship. Wrong ship, is it? Want to make one more guess? Do you do you need me to name if it's Empire
2: or Rebel?
1: Wait, are those the turret guns that are at uh, the
2: uh, base? Nope. Okay, it's a ship. It's a ship. Okay. The most famous ship. Oh, the Death Star. The Millennium Falcon. Millennium Millennium Falcon. (laughs)
0: All right, here I'll give you. I'll give you an easy one to recover from. Are you ready? Ready. Well, okay. okay. (laughs) This one is not from the first movie. No, no, it's an Ewok. That's correct. It is Wicket. Wicket. All right, here I'll give you another one. Let's let's try this one now. Another easy one. Ignore the blaster in the background.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say is that another blaster. Uh, oh man. I'm thinking I'm thinking big and black and and <laughs> sounds like he breathes through a scuba mask. I know it's Darth Vader. Uh, I'm right. hamming it up. I'm uh, sorry, it's uh, Darth
0: Vader. Alright, here we here we go. Here's Anakin. A, here's another here's another really hard one.
1: So do you need to know whose lightsaber that is? <laughs> no.
0: No. <laughs> No, lightsaber, but a lightsaber doing what? Starting up. There you go. All right, good. Uh, let's see. Oh, how about this one? Those are a tie fighter. No, no. Oh, this is. I'll, I'll give you a hint. This is also not from the first movie. Much like the Ewok wasn't. Oh,
1: it's a speed bike.
0: Yes, a speed okay, bike. Okay. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Very good. All right, how about this one? This one was from the first movie. I'll give you a hint. Those are ridden around in the first movie.
1: Oh, 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 I think I know what you're talking about. The um... people ride on them. (laughs) (laughs) I can't think of the name. I can't think of the name, but I can picture it in my head.
0: The Bantha. That's the right. That the that the, uh, that the uh, sand people walk on. All right, here's another one. They walk in sand. Single- you know, fun fact about how they
1: made Chewbacca's voice, uh-huh. they actually combined, like, five different animals in there. There was, like, a camel uh, that they played backwards. There was humpback whale. <laughs> there was several other, like, a dog growl that they all put together through this they're they're uh, when the the camels play
0: backwards does it say satan is my lord uh no (laughs) no no i don't think that was a camel i think that was a
2: humpback whale are those a jawa yes that's the jawa sound all right here's one here's one here's one That's one of the imperial shuttles. Nope. No? Give it to you one more time. Hmm.
0: That is the X-wing flyby sound.
2: Ah. Oh, X-wing
0: flyby sound. Okay. Okay. Here now. Compare that to this. Oh, there's a Tie Fighter right there. there. You yeah. Go. <laughs> Very good. TIE TIE Fighters fighters. have that
1: that very distinct
2: scream to them. Yes, yes, indeed. All right, here, how about this one?
0: You can be generic with that one. Oh,
2: door opening? Door
0: opening, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. All right, how about, uh, oh, how about this one? Is that a
2: droid? Yes, which one? Droid makes sounds like this. They all make sounds like that. <laughs> that is that oh, one no, was
0: uh, R2-D2? that sound was labeled oh. "sad." R two D two. That's R two D two being sad. All right, here. Ooh, this one's fun.
2: Is that the destruction okay. of the Death Star? No, no, no. But there's something blowing up? No. It's kind of hard to hear. Here,
1: I'll
0: try one more time. Mm. I'll give you the hint. The impo- probably the most recognizable or important part of that is right in the middle where it goes.
1: Oh, the firing of the Death Star. Nope.
0: No? That is the Millennium Falcon hyperdrive sound. Oh. When they engage the hyperdrive to yes. go into hyperspace. It's kind of hard to hear from the distance here, so. <laughs> uh, oh, sure. That's yeah, what's happening. Yeah, yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep.
2: Not that I'm bad at my job already. <laughs>
0: All right, here. This one, this one.
2: Like a million.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Close. That was actually the Death Star exploding. Since you said Death Star lot. exploding. I, how many people were actually on the death star? I, yeah, that's I, you know what? It was funny after rewatching I was like, you know, we never really consider the fact that there are like there's got to be thousands <laughs> and thousands of people on that death star. You know the the Clerks
1: movie franchise. I love Kevin Smith. Uh-huh. He he actually they actually talk about uh in um Return of the Jedi where they destroy the uh the the Death Star under construction and about how when it was originally in, in A New Hope and they blew up the Death Star, it was all just Imperial forces on that ship. But when they blew it up for the second time, all the contractors, <laughs> all the all the just you know general schleppers that would go and you know be building it because there's no way the empire could do it all just with their own forces. All those poor they, teamsters, right, the union yeah. workers, a moment the of caterers. silence. <laughs> oh. Yes, a moment of silence for the caterers.
0: <laughs> all right. Okay. Uh, last last couple. I'll do two more. This that, one comes from episode
2: 5. Was that one of the walkers? Yes. Yeah, yeah. The at uh,
0: the ATAT, yeah. ATAT. The ATAT. Oh, and just to be really snarky, I'll give you this one too. That's the ATST. Yeah. From the third one, the the, the two-legged walker as opposed yeah. to the four-legged yep, walker. Yep, yep, yep. All right, all right, couple of really fun ones just to end with. <laughs> no it's not actually jeremy's laugh ladies and gentlemen no, it is but it it does make me you know,
1: feel uh, or feel like when i've eaten way too much that was java the
0: hut <laughs> that's right java the hut laughing and oh, oh, last wow. but of course not least never least our favorite our friend yours and mine <laughs> who does not appear in the first movie,
2: oh. but
0: one of the most iconic characters for the rest of Star Wars lore. I, I don't know.
2: No, I do not.
0: It is labeled the Yoda laugh sound yeah, effect. Did,
1: did you catch my subtle, no, I do not. Oh, I did not. <laughs> I missed it. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that one counts or not.
0: For our final segment of this episode, and every episode, the spinning of the Wheel of Random Random Episode episode selection. Selection. Next episode, we will be discussing Star Trek The Next Generation. So we're going to spin the wheel twice, ladies and gentlemen. First, to determine which season, and second, to determine which episode in the season we will be discussing. So I turn once again to wheelofnames.com where I have arranged a seven season wheel. Oh, season three. Season three, it just clicked over in that last second to season three. All right, now let's see what episode of season three. Oh, episode one. How? And I was, I was hoping for episode 27. <laughs> How interesting. <laughs> season 3, episode 1. Let's do a quick little uh, IMDB search, and we discover that that episode name is Evolution. Star Trek The Next Generation, season 3, episode 1, Evolution, will be our wheel of random, random episode, episode selection, selection. selection for our next episode episode all right in the meantime I am Jerry I am Jeremy thank you for listening to two guys and a franchise if you would like to provide us with feedback you can send us a message at either email feedback at two guys and a or visit our website, Two Guys and a Franchise, all spelled out lowercase smushed together, Two Guys and a and leave us a message. We'll see you next time. Good night, everybody.